Welcome to another episode of Wicked Smart and my special guest today. I uh, met him at an, an NFT event in Venice, but his, he's a really nice guy. So Patrick um, Amadon, how do you say your last name, Patrick? Amadon. Amadon. Patrick Amadon, everybody. Welcome, Patrick Amadon. Thanks for being here, my man. Tell us what you're working with right now, man. Tell us what's going on in Venice. Like, where are you? Do you live ever, over next to Venice or are you more of like a DTLA guy? Like, where, where are you at? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me today. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who showed up. I see James, Paulina, B, Baba, NFT Mo, uh, Lon, Riley. Uh, so good to, good thanks. to see some yeah, familiar thanks. faces. I thanks for everybody. Showed up. Yeah. Thanks for everybody being here. It's, um, you know, we kind of, Usually we run our space at like 8.30 a.m. But for Patrick's purposes, man, I had to move it and it was worth it. Patrick's such a nice guy. Met him at an NFT event last Thursday. Really nice dude. And uh, looking forward to have a conversation with you, Patrick. Is there? A, we, we usually start off the show with a little Mintify market update. Mintify, why don't you uh, shoot us your, your market update and tell us what's going on so we, uh, we don't have to actually be nervous through this conversation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's check it out. The uh, 24 hour Ethereum volume, uh, market volume, 27 million down 4%. Solana market volume, 3.6 million, actually up 78%. It might be off the back of that uh, Solana monkey business acquisition from Haiti swap. The, uh, the highest sale was other side land 7127 for 95 ETH. Top performing index, top 20 are up 14%. Led by Wonky Stonks, 0.214 price of 13%. Memories of Quillen, 6.5, ETH4 price of 5%, and Max Payne and Friends by X Copy, 0.82, 4 price of 3%. The top losing index, top 100 social, down 1%. Led by Digi Daigaku Supervillain Potions, 0.84 ETH4 price, down 25%. Looks like a some active flipping and uh, managing risk going on after that ad. Number two is Akutars, 0.21 ETH4 price down 18% and 10K TF, 0.27 down uh, 13%. Got a whole bunch of uh, market noteworthy market updates. Uh, some of them regarding Blur, which was pushed back, I think they said 90 minutes, so in about 25 minutes from now, claiming should go live. Uh, Coinbase will support trading of Blur if you're uh, looking for a place to offload or onload. Circle uh, reportedly blew the whistle on BUSD reserves, which sparked the investigation. Paxos will litigate if necessary. So uh, maybe they'll try and defend that if, if they're needed to. Uh, DGods resurrected 535 tokens as ordinal NFTs. The 535 D-Gods that were resurrected were burned uh, nearly a year ago. So they, they brought those back. Another, uh, another thing alongside ordinals, non-zero Bitcoin wallets hit an all-time high of 44 million wallets, uh, specifically due to the explosion in uh, inscriptions going on on, the, on chain. Bernstein Private Wealth Management says regulatory backlash will push more DeFi and crypto companies offshore. And uh, the old Bitcoin mixer, Blender, apparently has been rebranded to Sinbad. So if you're uh, in the business of mixing coins, which we, of course, don't recommend because it's sanctioned in a lot of countries, 
Uh, definitely be careful because uh, Blender is one of the sanctioned and they just rebranded. The market stats, global crypto market cap, just over 1 trillion. Bitcoin dominance, 41.78%. BTC open interest, just under 7 billion, 6.93 billion in fear and greed, back up to 50. With Bitcoin at uh, 22,130, up about 2.7%. Uh, my Ethereum chart will not pull up right now, but I imagine it's comparable, probably a little bit more volatile. This morning it was up about 5%, so actually probably more than that now after this recent uh, whiplash bounce back. With the S&P right around 4150, up a modest 0.2%. Thank you very much. That was a great update. Thanks, Mintify. You did a good job, man. Appreciate it. So, Patrick, right to Patrick, man. I'm going right to Patrick, Amadon. Here we go, my man. I want to know your origin story because I, I looked you up. I did some research of my own, and you got some uh, crazy cool accolades. I mean, how long have you been on Super Rare for? <laughs> like, you're obviously a really good artist, so... Um, Give me your origin story. Like, where'd you where'd you come from, my man? Where did you? Uh, how did you get into the uh, blockchain art space? I'm assuming you were in the you know traditional art space first, and that's just an assumption on my part. So, why don't you tell us your origin story, and we'll we'll take it from there. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for looking me up too. Um, yeah. So i I was uh, I'm not professionally. I didn't I didn't go to art school for art. I went to school for art history. Um, nice. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. That's one of my favorites, dude. Yeah. So I just I never, uh, I, I never, it never, art was never really anything that was encouraged growing up. Uh, I'd, I'd sketch a lot of comic books. Um, I, my notes in school were mostly art in the margins. Um, but I never really considered, uh, doing it professionally or studying it. It wasn't until I graduated with an art history and economics degree. Uh, and a couple of friends of mine, when I first moved to LA, we just went and bought some paints at a store randomly because we thought it'd be fun to go paint in our Hollywood courtyard. Uh, and uh, we did it. They finished. It was fun. And they were done. And I something clicked. So I went back to the store the next day, bought more paint, and just kept going. This was uh, 2008. Uh, flash forward a couple years, uh, did some shows, had a solo show. And then Twitter uh, kind of uh, came into uh, the picture around 2012. And I, I posted a photo of one of my paintings and I just didn't feel quite right. So it felt, you know, just looking at a photo of the real thing on Twitter just didn't feel like it fit. It felt like there's like something lost in translation uh, going from, you know, actual things to digital things. Uh, and then I also realized that uh, you need more content if you're on social media. And, you know, I posted something and realized like, you know what, three months from now, I'm going to have another painting. I can post that. <laughs> so I realized like I got to do something because you can't post four things a year. So I, uh, I ended up like dabbling around uh, with a digital version. I thought, what if I make like a digital version of this? I would double my content. Um, so I started playing around with it. I figured out how to glitch it a little bit, uh, which back in the day, like there weren't any clever tools to glitch anything. I literally would shrink the file down to 600 by 400 resolution, which is really, really a small image file. Um, and if you did that, then you could open up in WordPad, delete a few lines of code, and every once in a while, 
it would create a really cool glitched version of the image. Most of the time it broke the image. Um, but if you played around with it long enough, you could create a, a glitched image. And I ended up just stacking those and creating glitched versions of my physical piece, which kind of felt natively digital. Uh, and I liked it. Um, but there was nothing to do with it. You couldn't really sell that. Uh, Twitter couldn't even host GIFs at the time. Uh, so it would uh, share these on uh, Tumblr. And there was a cool little art community on Tumblr uh, with remarkably some familiar faces in Web3 now. Uh, I know Max Capacity uh, from literally over a decade ago now. Xcopy was there. Know him from, again, a decade ago, Kid McGrath. Uh, so there's some really cool artists uh, from our like early Tumblr scene um, here in the space. Um, but what happened was, is everybody started liking the digital stuff more than the actual physical stuff. I got completely stuck because uh, I like doing it. So I kept doing it, but there's just nothing to do with it. You couldn't sell digital art back then. You know, in the contemporary world, if you want to sell digital work before NFTs, I mean, you're giving people instructions, you're just selling them a desktop. I mean, it's a whole mess and there really is no way. There's no, there's no provenance. There's no, there's no good way to keep people from copying work. I mean, so galleries just didn't want to touch it. They're just, so basically just was stuck making kind of art for art's sake for, you know, the better part of the next decade until, uh, until I saw the Beeple thing, um, in March of 2021. And, and for me, it was, I could care less about, you know, like good for him for making lots of money. That wasn't what was interesting. It was like, whoa, someone, someone sold digital art. How does this work? Uh, and then I just dove in head first and wanted to figure out, you know, like, what is going on? What's, what is this technology? How do, how do you, how do you make a living selling digital art? And, uh, you know, fortunate enough that, you know, I, I spent the, well, I spent the first, I got in the space in early March after the people thing. And then I spent basically three months just kind of figuring it out. Uh, getting to meet a lot of different people, getting to like figure out who the artists were, getting to know the artists. Um, and I didn't mint anything on Ethereum until uh, I got on Super Rare. Uh, and I got on Super Rare at the very end of June. Um, and then it just uh, was fortunate that it uh, went pretty well uh, from there. Uh, in the meantime, I love Tezos. So I, was, I, I admit a few things on Tezos, but I never told anybody. Uh, it would just be a secret. I admit things, and it was mostly older work. Um, it didn't feel right selling it. Um, so I just kind of drop it randomly on Tezos at like three in the morning and just, you know, put like for 50 Tez or something just to see whoever found it first. Uh, so I have like a, a number of, uh, a number of one of ones and some limited editions on Tezos that, you know, were just kind of whoever, whoever found them, got them, which I thought was pretty funny. So. That's a pretty cool story, um, especially the Tezos part, because um, I'm a fan of I found a lot of amazing art on Tez. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's on Tez. You know, it's cheaper. It means it's not going to have any value in the future because Tez was just cheap. Right. And it was a great place to kind of like showcase your work on a very you know tight budget. Um, it, it was definitely an entry point, especially back in like 2021 and, uh, you know, the beginning of 2022 when gas prices of ETH were so, it was so high to mint the prices of these items over and over again. And I know so many artists without Tez wouldn't have been in the space. You know what I mean? Like they would have, they tried ETH and they were like, look, my buyers can't 
buy on ETH. Like it's a totally different community in some cases. Um, ETH versus like a Tez buyer. Don't get me wrong. There's some crossover, right? Of collectors on ETH and on Tez. But most of these communities, especially like the Tezos community is a pretty tight knit group of like, you know, there are amazing artists over there and they're doing it for the art rather than um, putting it on ETH. And for some reason, they just think ETH is kind of like a sellout in some cases. I think ETH is the gold standard when it comes to art. So um, don't get me wrong. Tez is a great, you know what I mean? A great, you know, it, I think you should have art on every chain. If you're going to be an artist, like have art on every chain. So if someone, you know, you can basically satiate the needs of wherever your audience is rather than, you know, hey, come to ETH and buy my ETH art, even though you're on Tez or buy my, um, you know, buy my ETH and you're, you're on like a Solana, you know what I mean? A Solana blockchain there. And they're, you know, basically buying only art on soul. You know what I mean? Like you should have probably have art everywhere. What are your thoughts on that? Having like art in, on all chains? Well, I think there's a couple really interesting things here. Um, the first, and I think, I think you, you bring up a really good point, uh, with the gas, uh, you know, 2021 ETH gas, you know, at one point I spent $450 to mint one thing on super rare. Um, and if you look at one of the things I really love about this space is the art world before NFTs was inaccessible to 99.x percent of people around the world. You had to have an MFA from Yale and you had to have connections basically to get in at any real level. Um, and that you you eliminate so many people from around the world. Um, and you look at you look at you look at Osanachi, you look at a lot of people in this room even. And you have people from around the world that can make a living with art now. And you couldn't do that in any real way before NFTs. It's not easy now, but it's possible in a, in a way that was not possible before. And I think everybody in the space, and I don't think people have processed this um, yet, but I think everybody in the space owes Tezos a really big debt. Because what Tezos did was during this crazy ETH bull run when everybody was getting into the space, it allowed a lot of people without the resources to mint on Ethereum to be here to begin to make a living making art and to be a part of the space and begin engaging the community and begin building. Whereas I think so many people would have been locked out by the gas prices. Um, and we have a really, really healthy ecosystem now for digital art that I just don't think would have been as healthy uh, if we didn't have Tezos to help so many artists, you know, here and around the world, you know, earn, earn a living and start making some income via art. So um, I think, I think Tezos is really, really important in the whole NFT digital art story. Um, and the other thing too, is I love seeing, I love seeing work on Tezos. I love seeing work on Ethereum. I, I love seeing work on Solana. I think the chain is really just the medium and I, I want to see more breakdown of the tribalism around the different chains. I want to see, I want to see art decoupled more from the token price. Uh, art is art. And, you know, if I, if, uh, you know, we'll look at, we'll look at, uh, you know, um, an artist who mints something on Tezos, mints something on Ethereum, mints something on Solana, it should be slightly different prices, 
because the medium and the communities and everything else, I get that. But I think it should just be, it should be a tight, it should be a tighter spread. I, I, there shouldn't be the the massive valuation differences on the different platforms. And I think even in the last year, um, we've seen those differences shrink. You see, you see more art going for more similar prices and just kind of a USD basis than we did before. So I think, I think we're all moving in a really good direction. And I do think the future is cross-chain. I think, I think, I think the more cross-chain, the less dependent we can be as artists on the token price and on the chain that we mint on, the more sovereignty we have as artists. So uh, it's something I want to encourage. I'm doing an addition on Solana just to support this um, at the beginning of March. Um, I haven't shared that with anybody yet, um, but uh, I think cross-chain is really important. And um, like you said, also too, it is a good way to it is a good way to meet people from different spheres. Right. Different communities. I always, I always say like people are talking about like how NFTs are going to be like cross chain or omni chain. And I'm like, in theory, that's a good thing. If you have like a, a piece, like you have, let's just say if you have one piece from a collection and let's say it's a, I don't want to bring up a PFP collection, but you know, if you have a piece from a PFP collection and it's on ETH, and you've ex- you've basically you know basically drastically already have a part of the eth community if you are able to take that piece of art and transition it over let's just say to you know solana from eth you can then go partake in that community and say hey look i have a i have a soul nft as well or you can just go buy i guess you can just go buy one or mint one and say you're part of that community. The smart move is to actually have a piece in every community so you can go and interact and build your, you know, your your distribution of online in order to get your content out there. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have distribution, you don't really have buyers, you don't have people that are that are interested in your art. Um, I think that's really I think that's really interesting. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're I think you're spot on. Um, and I think I think um, I think when you're I think when you're trying to assess the landscape of Twitter and the communities here, I think it's very easy to just conflate everything and just say, Hey, when you share something on Twitter, you just have the expectation that's going to, people will see it. But in reality there, Twitter is just basically lots of very small bubbles. You see the same artists talking to the same artists, talking to the same collectors here. You see the same group of people, a different group of people talking to each other over here. It's just, the bubbles don't really engage much outside of the bubble. And I've been staring at Twitter for the last two years for far too long. So um, true. So, so true, by just, the way. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So you just, <laughs> you just see the same people talking with the same people. You're like, Oh, that's that click. That's that click. That's that click. That's that click, which isn't, isn't an indictment or anything. It's purely just, you just see who's talking to who and they all kind of typically talk within each other. Um, so as a, as an artist who wants to kind of get out there and, connect with a lot of different people and build a broad base of support. Um, I think just identifying that and realizing like, if you do want to expand, it isn't, it isn't about spending more time and spaces because frequently you're talking to like the same people. It isn't about just talking to your audience because frequently you're just talking to the same group of people. So you know, true. I think it, a oh, lot of people, dude, if there's anybody that knows that <laughs> I've done 5,000 hours in spaces, dude, <laughs> in the last, like, seriously, I started at the end of April of 2021 yeah. and I just blew through like 
all the metrics. I know it sounds crazy. Like I, I have to admit, it kind of drove you drives you a little crazy when you're like talking to the same people every day, like you said. But having people like you come in that I haven't talked to before is pretty amazing. You know what I mean? Like I love making new connections in this space, and um, you know, meeting you at that event I think was fortuitous because I think there was like what was there like 25, 30 people there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said hi to everybody. The guy that invited me was there and he was kind of like too busy. And then I, I met you and you're like the nicest guy there. Like, Hey, oh, how's it going? It. How could I, how could I be if, you know, you were basically just like, Hey, let's be, let's kind of, you just seem like really easy to be friends with like really quickly. So I appreciate that. And, you know, making someone feel welcome at a place where you don't know anybody. And I, I always say, you know, show up where you don't belong. Cause you know, one day you will belong. Right. And that's you made me feel like I belonged like instantly because everybody else was like, Oh, we know each other, but who's this random guy that's here? <laughs> no, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> so I appreciate I, that, dude. No, I appreciate that too. Um, no, it's a, uh, I think, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm big on accessibility and inclusivity, you know, in real life as well as on Twitter. You know, I, I keep my DMs open, um, I respond to nearly every DM, as long as it's not shilly or asking me to retweet something, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I just think we're so, I think we're so early in the space and, you know, I think that we have a really, I think we had such a good ethos and I think that there's just so much, there's so much disruptive, positive, uh, philosophies and perspective kind of coming from our space. I just, I just don't want to see, I just don't want to see a bunch of people come in and just have everything get washed out. You know, I, I love, I love self custody. I love our independence. I, you know, I love that we're doing our own thing and that we're not letting our aesthetics get dictated to us by, you know, a bunch of stakeholders that are already been here. You know, I, I gatekeepers, you know, I, I, I can't stand that in the space, by the way, I try to be just like you, Patrick. It's probably why, you know what I mean? Like people kind of like flock together. I'm a not, I'm the opposite of gatekeeping. Like I, I try to help as many people as I possibly can. I'm not inaccessible. My DMS are open, you know, like I don't try to keep anybody out of this, um, being successful in the space. Actually, I try to help them be successful. So I love that attitude you got. I want to say welcome to JF real quick. What's up JF? Glad to have you up here, man. What's going on? What's good, bro? How are we? Oh, uh, just Hello, living, everybody. living the dream, man. It's been a while, dude. Good to see, good to see you up here, dude. I don't, I don't do these. <laughs> I know, but you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot, though, man. You're you're in a safe space. This is this, my spaces are always like dope. Like no one's no one's in here to like cause drama or anything like that. We're here to just learn and uh, grow together. So I mean, that's what it's all about. Web three. That's what I'm talking about. That really is what it's all about. Yep. Um, if you strip it down naked, that's what it should be. Yeah, it is, another it, conversation. Yeah, how are you, bro? I would not come up here for anybody else. Just I know, you. I appreciate that, Doesn't dude. Happen. That's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. I appreciate that. You know, um, JF has uh, been in the space, guys, just for a while. Um, I don't know if anybody knows his history, but he had he had uh, Twitter dot com forward slash at NFT and Instagram at NFT. So like, he's been in the space, moving, shaking, partnered with Mark Cuban, building things. Good stuff, man, and. Uh, High respect to the stuff you built and um, good times, man. We should definitely set up a time where, you know, me and you could chat on stage like this too. I don't want to interrupt uh, my conversation with Patrick too much here because he's such an awesome dude. Um, but glad to have you, dude. Like, seriously, we should do a, a space this week and uh, chat it up. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, if you give me a little more notice, I know we were texting, you know, I just uh, jump up on and say, hi, sorry, Patrick. I don't mean to interrupt the vibe here. Um, it's all good. I got to leave anyways. I just want to say you, hi. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. You, you Mr. Are. Patrick as well. Um, is, what's up? Is that Evan? No, that's, that, that's his, uh, that's his man, but he's a, he's also a good dude. He's, he's, oh, uh, dope. yeah. Well, Mintify. I'm a fan. Yeah, his his Mintify is an awesome Mintify is an awesome platform. If you guys yeah, are like heavy is. traders, use Mintify. Like, go check it out. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna come back. We're gonna do. If you're here after my call, I'll jump in. Um, otherwise, we'll schedule something. But you know, I just want to show some love. And uh, again, Patrick, sorry for interrupting. And uh, I'll just chill for a bit and listen. Appreciate you, JF. Stay. Yeah, you can stay up here as a, a speaker. We won't we won't bug you. So, Patrick, back to back to you, man. Because this space is about you. Um, is, would you say your art style is glitch art? Um, yeah, I mean, I love it much, by the way. That's why I'm asking. I love, glitch yeah. art, and your art's dope. So thank you very much. You know, as my, I, I don't know, it's, I, there's, I know there's a bunch of other artists in the room. I think we all kind of buck against getting identified with one particular style, but yeah, at this point, it definitely, it would definitely be glitch. I mean, it's, it's for digital. It really always has been. And, um, there are varying degrees with which I'll incorporate it in each piece. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's really important to not get stuck in a narrow style band. You know, it's really easy to feel once you get, when you're getting started, just if you make the same thing, then people expect the same thing and you get kind of roped into just the same style again and again, because that's what people expect. That's what they want. So the more, I feel like the more expansive, the the more you can get your elbows out earlier on, uh, the more freedom you give yourself, you know, later on, which as an artist is kind of everything. Yeah. I can't agree with you more on that one. You know, now that I think about it, you're right. You want to, you want to start off with like your tent pole style, right? And then you want to branch out into different styles and start experimenting. And that's a lot like business. You know what I mean? Like a business finds success and then starts to like branch off into other categories to see if it can find other success there. You know, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. Um, and sometimes you realize like that art style isn't for you and you, you just try it out. It's kind of like going through seasons like Picasso did, right? Picasso had, you know, what was it like his blue period? Like mm-hmm. there was different seasons to his art. And I think that's, you know, you, you seem to understand that completely. Is there a season right now you're experimenting that we don't know about? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I've just been able to evolve as I I want to, um, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing more, I'm doing more work with, um, photography and graffiti right now, um, than I have in the past. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm flying to Hong Kong next week, um, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go shoot some graffiti out there around the free Hong Kong and uh, the pro-democracy movements uh, for an Art Basel piece, um, which will be, uh, which will be fun. Um, so just try to stir the pot a little bit with that. Are you um, concerned about like anything to do with those, the government out there right now? Like not letting you come back? Just curious. It, so I am going to make. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you like put you on the spot. Oh so. no, it's it's something it's something I've thought about because I've been I've been quite critical of the past, and obviously it is a little bit dicier political situation between 
the countries right now. Um, I am going to just make sure that I upload all my photos before I come back through uh, the checkpoints. Um, just so sense. I I don't have any I don't have anything subversive on me when I when I when I leave. Um, right. But uh, no, it's funny. Uh, so uh, smallest world coincidence. I was uh, I made the decision. Um, so I have this piece which um, is already uh, which is actually pre-sold to Eli Trader, which is he's been an amazing supporter. Um, but uh, I realized when I was making it, you know what? I need I actually need to go there and get some shots. Uh, it didn't it didn't feel it didn't feel quite right just scraping them off the internet. Um, so I wanted to get some of my own. So made the made the arrangements to go fly out there. I figured I'd just go figure it out. The next day I'm at a LACMA opening and uh, I overhear a conversation. Someone's like, oh, I just got back from China. So I butted in. I said, oh, where'd, where'd you come from? Turns out the guy lives in Hong Kong and he runs the graffiti DAO. Wow. So yeah, so we're, I've got my, I've got my tour guide and I'm, I'm good to go. So excited about, excited about going to shoot some, shoot some work over there. Yeah, it's definitely better to have somebody like showing you around that's a local than just trying to, you know, work your way through. And then all of a sudden you walk down the wrong street and they take everything you have or something like that. You know, I always, I always, (laughs) I always want someone local to like show me around an area (laughs) instead of like trying to like bounce around where I like, you know, my first language is not, you know what I mean? I'm English. If I have my first language is English and theirs is Chinese, there's no way I'm getting by, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I was in Russia for a while and I ran into some trouble, but at least in Russia, I can I can look the part, you know. So it's easier to just kind of blend. Easier to blend, yeah. Yeah, in this case, it is not easy to blend. No, nope. it's kind of like yeah. going to Tokyo and going not you know, being like a tall a tall white dude in, in Tokyo. You kind of stand out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say. So what's your what's next on the 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 menu for you in 2023 besides going to Hong Kong you're going to Hong Kong and then what are you doing after that is there like some grand scheme you have pl- uh, planned because I know a lot of people that are building things in the space right now that wasn't yeah. sure you're doing that well so uh, I mean a big part of it like like how we connected uh, a big part of it is uh, just trying to bring everybody together because in in my mind I feel like when you meet people in our space, I've never made more fast friends than I have in the web three space, because I feel like at this moment we have so many, just any random person you meet in a space typically shares a lot of very similar personality qualities with you. I mean, typically pretty risk averse. You're pretty smart. If, if you figured out how to do MetaMask, get money over here, you know, like you are, definitely above average tech savvy. Right. Right. Yep. There's a bunch of people that love art here. And if you didn't love art before, you probably love art now. I mean, I feel like for as maligned as the PFP world is, it has definitely brought a lot of people into, into loving art that just maybe it wasn't on the radar before. And, uh, unlike, unlike the regular world, three, they can list off 10 artists that they are familiar with know their work can name specific pieces and have opinions on 50 others. That's just, that's just not a thing in the regular world. You, nobody knows any of the contemporary artists other than people literally in the art world. And here you have, so, I mean, you meet people in the space and you know, like uh, some of my 
best friends are web three friends now. Um, so I just want to bring everyone together. So in Venice, it's, you know, it's hosting free classes for anyone who wants to try to figure this out with myself and vegan bot. We host our meetup every week. You know, we do a panel just talking about what happened in the week, but just basically trying to bring people together IRL in LA. Love that. Um, me just, too. By the way, me too. I host uh, an event every single month in LA. So I love that. Last week of last week of every month. So February 23rd is the next event. And uh, I'm building it in 15 other cities as well. So um, I'm, I'm doing it exactly for the same reason you are, except for, you know, I'm not making it exactly, I'm making it exactly free. So for startup and tech people, they have to pay, but anybody that's in like web three that ho- like holds an NFT and they can prove it at the door, they get in for free. So. Oh, I, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. So, Thanks, man. you know, there's, there's that, um, you know, and then uh, just art going full steam, you know, a uh, piece for Hong Kong Basel. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to share the other thing yet, but there's something at the end of, end of March, which I've been working towards. Um, and then obviously looking forward to New York, um, you know, and looking forward to uh, NFC Lisbon. Um, basically, you know, just, um, making art and then, um, traveling to see our friends. I see, I see Jake is in the room now. Um, Jake's another amazing artist, you know, I look forward to seeing him at every, <laughs> every one of these art conferences. So, you know, I think there's just a really, really tight knit community of people, especially on the art side. Um, so kind of figuring this all out together has been, um, absolutely, uh, you know, incredible. It's been, it's been, I feel very fortunate that we have such a good, a good community and such a a supportive and inclusive space. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Like I said, um, go into that event and I didn't know that was your event. Is that your, basically that Thursday event? That's your, it is, it is myself and vegan. You did, you did great there. Um, I love the location and the people are definitely really nice just need to have a little bit more people. Maybe not though. Maybe like 30 people is enough. You know what I mean? Like it's enough to like get to know whoever's there um, and get to know them well. Right. And instead of having like 300 people where you like meet maybe five, five quality people out of like 300, it's a lot more you know intense. <laughs> it's a lot more intense and stimulating. And like, it's like, Whoa, I never really thought of that. Cause when I have my events, there's like, you know, 250, 300 people at every event. And it's like, well, shit, do are people actually meeting each other at that scale? I'm starting to think no now. So, you know, no, yeah. I mean, they, they, they each have, they each have their benefits, you know, it's, uh, we've been doing it for, uh, almost two years now. Nice. Um, which is, which is good. I mean, it started off, uh, bright moments had a gallery in Los Angeles and they had a coffee meetup back in May of 2021. Um, so we'd go to this coffee meetup and it was kind of the same group of six to eight people every week. Uh, and it ended up basically just being myself and vegan arguing with each other. Um, cause what, whatever it is, we always have the opposite viewpoint in a, in a good, actually, you know, friendly debatable way. And we just argue and ended up being just being a bunch of people standing around us, listening to us argue about stuff. Um, and then it just kind of, we said, you know, let's, let's grow this out. So we grew it out and then vegan started IRL alpha, which is the debate panel that we're streaming on Twitch. And, uh, just kind of, uh, the whole kind of Venice community just seemed to kind of grow out of that meetup. So 
Yeah, that's definitely a great meetup. I've met a couple of people there in, in IRL for uh, from Twitter Spaces, so it's definitely a good location. My question to you is, tell me more about the panels you're doing because I, I have no idea about where these panels are because I'm going to go to one. Oh, sure. Yeah, so we have a, we have a physical space at uh, Budman Studio. Um, so we have a we've built out a whole stage. Um, so basically we just host these, host these panels. They're, they're live interactive. So it's not, I mean, we've all been to a lot of panels. We're on web three and it's no fun to just kind of listen to people talk. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, we basically just argue with each other about whatever happened and the audience can argue with us. So anyone, we have microphones with the audience. Everyone just, we basically just have a big, we'll bring up a conversation and we'll just literally debate it. Um, and kind of figure out all the sides, uh, which ends up being fun. So, yeah, I'm looking at Budman's studio on, on the, uh, the internet here real quick. And yeah, it looks like a cool location, man. Yeah. But it's a Budman's legendary and in, in Venice, it's been a, it's been a contemporary art. It's a, it's a warehouse and there's a bunch of art studios in there. So there's a, they, they throw, they throw good parties there pretty regularly. The panel and is have, cozy. I'm looking at the panel, man, and these are these are some cozy panels. They have headphones on and stuff. Is that like, is that how you guys do panels, or is that like a silent disco? Like, what is that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That might be <laughs> un- unrelated. 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 Yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I could see some uh, some listening. It looks like some listening uh, parties and stuff like that as well. Definitely a cool location, though. I like it, man. I like what you're Thanks. doing. So. You're going to take some. You're, you're going to go do some photo, photography over in um, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to come back and like crush it with the the new photographs from Hong Kong. Yeah. And then you said you're working on some stuff you can't tell us anything about. Not even like a little bit of a a little bit of a hint. One of the uh, one of the auction houses is is going to put on a specific glitch show. Um. And I've, and I've always been, I've, I have, I had very mixed feelings about auction houses. Um, you know, I think initially it was just concern about setting up another gatekeeper structure, right. um, yep. for, for better and for worse. I, I really do like the, I do like the decentralized community version of gatekeepering much more so than these outside entities, but in fairness, my, my, my view has evolved a little bit. I mean, I do think the ecosystem is a little different than it was in 2021. I mean, it is, it is a little bit more, I mean, we'll be around, but you know, it is a little bit more kind of fight for survival right now than it was then, you know? So I do feel like whether it's like, you know, causes donation to LACMA, I think, I think these outside signals are healthy for everybody. Um, so really anyone who's being supportive and putting digital art out as something that is important, um, I want to support and it's specifically for glitch, which I like my, I like my glitch artist friends, um, a lot. We've been through a, a decade together. Um, so really anything that promotes glitch and, you know, brings awareness to it as a, as a style or slash genre, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting. So yeah. There's um, that. What, which glitch artists are going to be, you know, 
working together with you on this? Can you say? Well, I, no, I can't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've said too much as it is, but you know, it's, it's your show. I see a bunch of friends here. So, you know, <laughs> you're, you know, what? your not, secret is safe with, uh, with, with me and the audience <laughs> and like thousands of people who re-listen to this on Twitter. Probably. Exactly. Exactly. Don't worry. It's everything's going to be see? Right. <laughs> decentralizing it. Yeah. That's good, dude. I look forward to that, man. That's going to be cool. I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming, and this is just me assuming everybody. So take it with a grain of salt. X copy is somehow going to be involved in this too. But I think Patrick, you got the, you and, you and, uh, you know, you and X copy have the same skill set. So, you know, maybe one's just a little bit well, more well known than you, but I can tell you you're on, you're on the come up if you're not already, you know, I would say at the same level. So that's just my opinion, at least. I uh, appreciate you. So, man, you got a crazy story. So can I ask you, like, what did you do before all this stuff, like, popped off for you in terms of, of being an artist? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like. Where'd you like, grow we'll up? Start. Where, you know, all that stuff, unless you're, like, non-doxed, oh, sure. all that stuff. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm thankfully perfectly open about all this stuff. Makes life easier. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, grew up in, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, Santa Cruz originally. Um, that's pretty so that's, cool. Yeah, some California. Um, so that's 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 what I did, and then you know, um, I feel like every artist, you know, had my. I was I was fortunately able to quit my job, uh, you know, my side jobs a year and a half ago, and just be an artist full time. You know, I wasn't I I couldn't figure that out in contemporary art, making digital art. <laughs> so imagine that. um so no it's uh i did the uh i did the piece uh clock out recently yeah um which was significant for me because i actually shot that at um a building i used to work at so there was a it felt it felt good it felt good uh making making that piece what i find interesting in the nft space too patrick and uh, you know maybe this is a different ride for you but i've noticed there's a lot of amazing artists that have like entered the crypto art space that had a hard time selling their art even with hundreds of thousands of followers on twitter on instagram everywhere they would reach out to their audience you know their followers the people that are you know true fans at least so they say and they say, hey, I'm going to release my art. You know, this is, pre, this is pre-blockchain art. I'm going to release my art, you know, for like pennies of like what they got once they entered the crypto space. And they're like, hey, I'm going to release my art and it's going to be prints. It's going to be like nine bucks or 19 bucks. You know, who would buy it? And they all say, yes, we'll buy it. And then they release it so they can just buy the prints and it's crickets. Nobody ends up buying from Twitter with hundreds of thousands of followers or on, or on Instagram, hundreds of thousands of followers. No one buys it. What are your thoughts on that? Have you like recognized that as, as well as a, you know, being a traditional artist and stepping into the crypto art space? Did you notice like more people buying your art at higher prices once you entered or were you, or were you like, obviously you were probably gifted before that. So I think it's just a, Again, uh, our space is our space. It's very, it's very different. It's a different group of people. It's a different set of collectors. It's a different set of artists. There isn't much crossover. I mean, I, I told probably my ten closest art friends 
should check out this NFT thing, you know, kind of April, 2021. And the best I got was one person saying, you know, let me see how this goes and maybe I'll do it. Everybody else is kind of no to it's a scam. Um, the thing is, you see a lot of people come into the space and we've, we've, uh, I think we've all just been burned by people coming in, making something and then vanishing. Right. Um, you know, so I think we all have long memories and I think we support our own. I mean, you have to, you have to be a part of this community. I don't think people realize that no one cares about the number of followers that you have. I wish they did. I mean, that would benefit me, but they don't. <laughs> um, it would definitely benefit you. <laughs> yeah. But nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. But what people care about is, um, you know, like, do they know you? Are you accessible? Are you part of the community? Are you making art that is relevant to what we care about? You know, and again, just like everything just comes back to your community, your time here. Are you going to be around? Like, do you care about this? I mean, so much of your how you get assessed as an artist comes back to. I feel like your ethos and your contribution to the community and you can't understand the ethos and you can't contribute to the community unless you're around for a minute and you're putting in the time here. So people come from the outside thinking that we care about some show they did or their MFA or whatever. And we, and we really don't, I mean, you know, if you have a, if you have a background and you're a really, if you're an amazing artist, that's awesome, but you have to come, you have to put your time in, you have to get to know people, you have to do the work that everybody else has done. Otherwise we're not going to care. Um, and I think that is just what it is. I mean, the, the gatekeepers and all the metrics that you were previously judged by don't apply here. And I just don't think a lot of people really know that yet. And in fairness, I think it works really well. I mean, do you really want to collect something from someone that shows up for a minute and vanishes? Um, I think that's a, I think that's a real concern. I mean, especially as, you know, I think we're all becoming collectors, you know, you see so many artists collecting other artists. You see so many people that never would have bought art before buying art. So I feel like, you know, we want to make we want to make good choices. And I feel like evaluating people based on their presence here, I think, is a very, very valid thing. If I bought an artist tomorrow and then they never minted again um, and they vanish from the community, um, I would argue that that. Other than just pure art value, it'd probably just a pretty worthless token at the, you know, a few years from now. So I think we're just trying to figure out who's going to be around. And I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a very, it's a very fair assessment. So if you want to come in, like put your time in, get to know people, like become a part of the community, um, you know, before you start be additive before you're extractive, I guess. Yeah. I agree with that statement. Um, Kind of why, you know what I mean? Like I, I spent a lot of time, I'm not trying to make this about me, by the way. I'm just, like the, all, I could, all I could do is use the example. You know what I mean? I have, you know? So it's like, my example is I put in thousands of hours on Twitter spaces trying to help like one of one artists and like collection artists and things like that, like understand the marketing dynamics and like how to build distribution on Twitter and leverage other, other people's distribution. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, art doesn't have to live in a, you know, in like a gallery with 150 people or 200 people come in and have access to your art here. As soon as you like close the value gap between like web two and web three, which is unlimited access, you could have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people see your art through Twitter and Instagram for basically next to nothing for free. 
and you're getting millions of people looking at it and it's on the blockchain where someone can actually go and access it and buy it rather than the, and I'm not hating on galleries. I'm just saying the, the gallery restriction was I'm showing this to the same 150 to 200 people. Like every time I have it hung in this gallery, maybe there's a couple extra people that are coming to check it out. But, you know, let's just say one tenth of them, two tenths of them are my friends already. They're not buying it. And a whole bunch of other people that wouldn't buy the art are just coming in to, to see the gallery. And maybe they buy a piece from you. And I'm not saying they wouldn't. And uh, they probably would. But in this case, the amplification of artists that don't have huge followings, that you know sometimes get denied from galleries. I remember seeing a couple artists were like, they were on Twitter saying, hey, my art's in this gallery in Brooklyn. Come check it out. And I'm like, well, there's going to be like two, 300 people that are going to see this thing in total. Um, you know, again, then you start to break down like friends, families, you know, f you know, friends of friends, stuff like that. Who could really afford to buy it when you mint it on crypto or mint it on the blockchain and then you send it out amongst the Twitter sphere and it just picks up steam and someone from around the, you know, from around the world actually comes out and like from the other side of the world buys it from you. Like that's the web three value prop, you know, like instead of selling your art to like, or trying to sell your art to 150, 200, 300 people in a, in a gallery somewhere, you're selling it to a hundred thousand to, you know, 3 million people on the internet because you've, you've shared it with the community, you know, you build here and people thought it was awesome and they retweeted it. The least they could do is retweet and like, like, and comment and you know, I don't know. I see that as the value gap. What are your, what are your thoughts on like closing the value gap with web three like this? Well, I think it's interesting. I think uh, you look at, you look at just evolution in general and uh, you see a slight advantage. Um, and then you see the entire shift towards that advantage uh, reasonably quickly. Um, the slightest edge um, translates into massive change. And if you look at, if you look at digital art, you look at the insurance, you look at, I mean, if you want to ship a large piece, you can spend 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to ship a piece literally from LA to New York to put on a show. Right. You have people with really expensive art that pay people to create replicas of it so they can hang the replica in their house and keep their the original in storage at like a nondescript warehouse in downtown Los Angeles, because that's how you display work again, insurance. But also too, you know, let's keep it safe. The, there's so much. There's so much. Just kind of so many ridiculous hoops that people have just been accepted as a given in the contemporary art space that we just don't have. It's so frictionless collecting digital art. Um, do I do I have I ever seen any piece I've sold? No. Every every single piece I've sold has vanished. I know of collectors that have my work, but have I ever talked to them again? No. Um, do collectors want to have relationships with artists? And a lot of times, yeah, it's just not a thing in contemporary art. Uh, do collectors want to share their work? Yeah, they do. When we make it so easy, the amount of advantages that digital art has for sharing distribution storage of art is, is a, is a order of magnitude greater than, uh, physical pieces, the contemporary world, will they, will physical pieces always have a role? Yes. All art will always have a role. It's not going to go anywhere, but when it comes to like narrowing the value gap, 
once we start seeing collectors really start to understand just how many advantages collecting art has from a sharing storage distribution logistics standpoint, it becomes really clear. Now, do many of them have a huge bias against digital art right now? Sure. You know, if you've been, if you've, if you've amassed a large bag of contemporary art and all of a sudden something new comes along that is objectively cooler, you're going to be a little annoyed. And I feel like you're going to be a little more inclined to just say like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't real. I don't like this, but that, 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 that won't hold up. So I think, I think the delay is really just bag holder bias. Like we see with a lot of things in NFTs. Um, from the contemporary art world. Um, but the shift has happened and there's such an advantage on so many levels, um, digital versus physical, um, that I think the value gap will close uh, incredibly rapidly. Um, and um, as we see too, I mean, people know digital artists. If you're in the space, we know the digital artists, you know, like, it's much, much, much tougher to get to know contemporary artists. So I think, I think the the, the entire community um, ecosystem around digital art, every, just everything about it, I think, just is pushing towards digital art. And we I, we don't even talk about just how many screens everybody has. The amount of the amount of places we can share, show, and display digital art. Um, I, I don't know how this doesn't become significantly larger than it is right now. Well, it is. There's no question. Like you're basically alluding to, it's going to become huge. And I'm wondering like, how hard is it to like onboard a traditional artist into the digital art realm? Because imagine all that frustration they have, you know, displaying their art everywhere. And, you know, I think the, you know, this could actually shorten the gap of also being a celebrated artist in your lifetime as well, where traditional artists are like, you know, still doing galleries and don't get me wrong. They're, they're doing, you know, amazing work, but they haven't taken the, you know, the leap in the digital art where they can get so much more reach and so much more notoriety. And then finally people are starting to value their work at what they think they should be valued at as well. Like what's the hard part of getting them in? What are your thoughts? You know what? I think that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that before. The if you if you look at the contemporary art world to get known in your lifetime, it requires a lot of shows and a lot of press, and you need a lot of shows because you need people to see your work. Right. And you and with all the physical limitations of shipping, display, gallery schedules, everything, it takes a long time for people to actually see your work. Even if you get pulled into MoMA or LACMA or these large institutions, like having people then still go see your work, it takes a long time to disseminate who you are as an artist, which, you know, as much as we all want accolades, posthumous accolades are don't hit quite the same. <laughs> I'd say they don't for sure. There's no way uh, to, there's no way to enjoy those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, but with digital art, right? I mean, with just how how easily it is to share and distribute. I mean, I feel like the path to getting known digitally is, is, is way cleaner and way more possible. So, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like that's a huge advantage for artists and in terms of onboarding. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, not if you're here now, you're probably pretty tech savvy. Um, 
you know, risk tolerant, you know, and uh, this is, you know, all part of the many reasons that I love everyone in the space. Um, but I know a lot of artists and a lot of people in general, just very, very resistant. Maybe they're just not secure with their ability to figure out tech, whatever, whatever the reasons are. Uh, you know, that again, that's why that's why I host the weekly classes, like just helping just want to help artists that want to be here, figure it out, because I know not everyone is is resourceful as, you know, our early community members here. So and they should be if they want to be here, they should be able to be here. Um, and, you know, if they genuinely want to be a part of the community, we'd love to have them. And if it's just a technical barrier or just some insecurity, uh, you know, I just want people to have the resources to be able to address that you know, and to be able to be able to enter, um, you know, simply and cleanly. Yeah. I couldn't, exp I couldn't have said that actually better. I think it's really important for all of us to be working towards like onboarding as many people as we can from that space and tell basically showing them the leverage they will have in terms of reach, in terms of like being successful again in your lifetime, being like new, like noteworthy in your in your lifetime rather than, you know, like 10 years or 20 years after you're gone, which, you know, posthumously is, it's fine, but I think it's a better idea. And I've, I've seen a lot more digital artists recently come to uh, notoriety that I don't think ever would have. I mean, people, amazing artist, been following him since the late 2000, late two thousands, you know, early 2010s. And uh, I didn't think, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, his art's interesting. It's not my style of art, but it's really, obviously, he's, he's a very talented person. Um, he, I don't think he would have really, I don't think he, uh, without digital art, which obviously he's a digital artist, I don't think he would have, like, been a Picasso, like, known as a Picasso, known as, like, a big player if it wasn't for the digital art scene and, and crypto coming to, uh, you know, the blockchain art coming to light in uh, 2020. Um but I mean, that's just my thoughts. Do you, do you have any thoughts on like artists who are like cult classics, but you know, didn't really have luck selling their art? I mean, even people had like, I think art on OpenSea was selling for like a dollar at one point. Yeah. I mean, I just think, uh, I think with so much of this whole space, we just, it just, everything requires so much contextualization. I mean, we, the fact that we can have NFTs so we can have some, avenue to attribute value to a digital asset i think is obviously the critical element here but uh, also too i just there's just there is a there is a ton of work out there right now you know there are there are a ton of artists creating work and i just think that in order to understand understand the space um we we do need i think we do need a lot more we do need a lot more independent writing uh i think we need a lot more independent curation um I think the call it the fall from grace for super rare, um, I think has been incredibly healthy for the space. Um, I think we just need, I just think we need a lot more uh, decentralization, especially around writing uh, and critique uh, for, in order to kind of begin kind of the next level of kind of healthy, healthy growth and just helping people understand like, what they're looking at help help highlight artists that are doing interesting things that maybe just be lost in kind of the digital chaos um, or who may not be as good at, um, you know, promoting themselves on social media. Cause obviously there's a huge bias right. yep. in the space towards, 
those who are able to understand and be, you know, be successful about getting the word out via, you know, art unrelated skills. Right. Um, so I think, uh, I think, I think that'll be healthy. Um, I mean, obviously it's, you know, look at, look at, look at Picasso, Warhol and any number of contemporary artists. I mean, there, there always has been a, a huge element of being able to connect with people outside of art that has led to success. But, um, I think, uh, I, I would love to see more writing, you know, right click save as, uh, is fantastic. And there's a number of other, um, really good organizations that are, that are writing about this, that are trying to put context around kind of what we're seeing. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we can figure out how to incorporate them more into the process, into the chain. Um, you know, if, you know, it's a, uh, it's nice that they're doing it. And I, I just would love to have an avenue for them to not work for essentially free. Um, but we can figure that part out. I think we'll be, I think we'll be in really good shape, but I do want to see, I do really want to see, like, uh, I know we have manifold, right. And I feel like empowering artists with their own contracts and their ability to create work on their own. Um, and for the community as a whole to value manifold work to value something that isn't put out or gatekeepered by a super rare, I think is really healthy. Um, Tell me about, I keep hearing you say super rare. Like, what do you mean by the fall of super rare? Can you like expand on that for like 30 seconds? Sure. Um, this is again, my two cents. I'm frequently wrong. And it's probably a little controversial, but you know, uh, super rare played an, an outsized role in the space. And I think we do owe super a large debt for, really helping kind of curate and kick off one of one and uh, kind of the high end of art. Um, so they did a really good job with that, but then it became an, then it became a thing um, in 2021, 2022. And now it's kind of, well, not so much now, but that's the point. Um, are you on super? Or are you not? And at the beginning it was, there's only a select number of artists on super rare. So if you were on foundation, if you were on something else, it was fine. You just weren't on super rare yet. And people would buy art over there. And then it kind of became when super kind of opened the gates up a lot and just started onboarding a ton of new people, added spaces. Then it kind of became, there was a moment where it was, are you on super or not? And it, I feel like it really disenfranchised a lot of people who just happened to not be on it yet. Right. Um, because super was just the signal of this artist has been vetted in some degree or not. Right. If you're not on super, why aren't you on super yet? So I feel like it ended up hurting a lot of people um, because they didn't have that validation. And, you know, in the space, we have so little to go on. We have so little information to look at an artist and say, you know, I like the art, but am I like, am I right about this? Right. So you look at these other signals, you know, and often it's price, often it's their, you know, followers, often it's like, who's talking about them, but we just, it's not like the real world. It's not like you go to a gallery, you meet the artists, you see their work, you get so much from that, that you just don't get here. So I feel like these little signals have a, have a disproportionate effect very justly. Um, so I think that, I just think that the super rare and their kind of botched spaces roll out and just all the onboarding. I think, 
I don't think anyone looks at super anymore and says, you know, are you on super or not? I think people are really all of a sudden kind of back to just who is the artist? Where do they mint it? It doesn't really matter. Um, and it's back to more just kind of a art for, you know, art being evaluated for art's sake and the artist being evaluated as artists. And it's, I feel like it's, it's shifted much more towards a platform agnostic ecosystem, which I think is really, really healthy. I think we need that. But again, just on the side, we need more, we need more writers. We need more, we need more independent curators. You know, um, I love seeing small, small platforms pop up or small galleries pop up. I just think anything that, anything that helps contextualize all of this and just kind of help organize a little bit, kind of cut through writing, I think is, is healthy, but I think we're, I think we've reset to a much healthier place than we were even in 2021, um, with manifold, um, and with the, you know, transients coming out. So there's, there's a number of people that are all, um, giving some sovereignty back to artists. Um, which again, we had a lot of, we had a lot more in the space versus contemporary world, but I still think there's a lot, there's a, there's a long way to go. Um, and I feel like the shift recently has been really, really healthy. Um, Super should have a role. I hope they continue. I love the people over there. Um, but as a single platform, being the arbiter of who is a good artist and not, no, I think that that had to go. And I'm really happy that that looks like it has died. So you think that's gone? Do you think, um, what led, do you think, what do you think led to that? Is it because of foundation coming out? and allowing people to like, once they sell some art, they can then invite like five of their friends or whatever it was. I think it was, maybe it was three invites. I can't remember, but do you think foundation had a lot to do with like you're saying the demise or they have, have they changed their business model? Are you saying? No, I I think foundation's always just been foundation. Um, you know, um, I think that, I think it was really, I think it was a botched rollout of the Twitter spaces. It just ended up being a ton of confusion of, you're on super, but wait, which contract you are? Are you the main contract? Are you a spaces contract? And it's not clear at all. And all the spaces just kind of onboard whoever they want to onboard. So it just became very confusing. Who was, who was actually curated super air, who was, who sues super air spaces. And then they also just never were very clear about what was required to get on super air. So it ended up with just a lot of animosity. It'd be like, the friend of a collector. Oh wait, the friend of a super employee. Oh wait, now we're all pandering to the new super curator to get on the platform. It, it was just a really unhealthy way to do it. Um, and I think it just caught up with them all of a sudden it was Bob spaces. The fact that nobody likes their onboarding process, the fact that they weren't communicative with the community and they just conducted this arbitrary behind the scenes. Basically it's all the things we hate. It's a complete lack of transparency something that feels very like capricious. And um, I think when Manifold came out and all of a sudden we start seeing one of one artists sell on Manifold and go around the platforms, it was kind of a floodgates open. Everyone was like, okay, great. Like nobody liked the system the way it was before, but it was the best of what we had. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with that one for sure. That's, that's definitely, I agree that, Manifold has definitely opened it up so that artists have control over a contract. They have their own distri- their own distribution and you just know that Manifold's going to be safe. You know, I, I like that idea. There's no, there's no question about that. So completely agree. I still think, I don't know. I still think if you're on super rare, I still think in this space that means something. 
I still think it's got some clout that goes with it, but maybe I'm wrong, right? I'm, I'm always open to, open to being a hundred percent wrong in this case. But when someone says they're on super rare, I always think like, Oh, okay, well clearly they've been vetted. Um, somebody at super rare saw their art and it's kind of like a, uh, you know, someone that's watching baseball players play, um, and they're recruiting them onto a team. Like they don't want like just regular baseball players. They want the best of those baseball players. And I thought that's what super was trying to do. Um, and I think that's what foundation was kind of trying to do also was, Hey, you're an amazing artist. Invite your amazing artist friends. Once you sell a piece, and uh, it's just an onboarding technique of like kind of keeping it exclusive. Um, are you more of a fan of like lack of exclusivity on platforms like this? No. So there is, there is definitely still some cachet. I just think that the walls have come down enough that it's no longer the sole gatekeeper of art, which right, right. really was what it was. Um, so I'm, I'm just happy to see that. No. And, and I do think we do, I, we do need curators. We do need, again, contextualization. We do need writers. I think we just, we need a lot of infrastructure to help people find, find art. I mean, discoverability is a huge issue in the space right now. Um, um, even on the platforms, it's really hard to find artists. Um, so basically artists are kind of left on their own devices. I mean, you basically have to be, again, Instagram doesn't matter. It's literally just Twitter. Um, and you just have to figure out how to make yourself known on Twitter, which is a completely separate skill set from art. Um, which I think is a, which is a, a challenge for a lot of people. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I hope that we can, uh, address. And I don't, I think the only way to address it again, is just more writers, more curators, more, more people talking about the art. Um, but again, you know, I think we're, 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 we're in such a better space than we've ever been for digital art. You know, I do feel, I do feel really fortunate. These are just, these are just some of the things that I think I would like to see changed because while it's incredibly healthy right now, I think it can always be, I think it can always be better. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think foundation went through that process too, where, you know, certain amount of people were allowed on foundation and then they started giving out like, uh, they did a lot, just so you know, there was a, there's a, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but when Gmail launched and yes, I, I was around for that. <laughs> um, they did the same thing. They were like, here's a thousand people get in a Gmail account and now you have five invites. And they were like selling invites on, um, eBay for like a thousand dollars just to get invited to Gmail. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like people want Gmail that badly. Luckily for me, I was able to get access to Gmail early and it was just an email system. It wasn't anything. It wasn't that exciting to have a Gmail account. Um, but you know, they made it feel exclusive by their onboarding tactics. So, you know, everybody wanted a piece and I think everybody still wants on the super rare. I mean, I can't imagine anybody in this audience going, man, I don't want to be on super rare. Screw that. Um, screw the system. I don't care about super rare. They're probably saying that and they would be very, very honored to be accepted on the super rare myself. I think that's, yeah. I think, I think that's the a, case. We have a, we have a question. Yep. Here. Go for it. Um, let's see who it is. Ethereum Monte. I can't, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Ether Minotti, like it's sorry, yeah, yeah. kind of. Gotcha. Go ahead, um, man. I just want to say, I totally appreciate everything you guys are saying. I also appreciate that you guys are referring to art instead of just like saying NFTs. Cause there's been a lot of confusion when people call, when people can't differentiate between art and NFTs, because as a developer, like he was saying, like, Dude, I, I just had to learn Twitter 
because of of building and, and like in like kind of being forced to like like nobody will ever know like I spent two years literally writing code from when I woke up until I couldn't stay awake anymore and also doing art that way the same way and it's just like like it's just kind of like there that is a, a problem that needs a solution is is most people that are building and actually doing stuff that like for the space don't have time to go talk about what they're doing in spaces and stuff and they're in and also and also and then meanwhile a lot of spaces which i totally respect you guys for not but a lot of spaces are uh like like calling like a bunch of like these scam projects and stuff like referring to them as NFTs and referring to NF or a community NFTs and community tying those together when there's so many like I'm working on stuff that has nothing to do with art and it's like it then it kind of like sucks when I'm like working super hard and then like my re the reputation of what I've been working on gets tarnished from somebody that is doing stuff that is like super easy and super quick and that they don't really care. They're just trying to get money out of people. Yeah. I got I you. Know. Did you have a, did you have a question or was it, you just wanted to make a statement? Oh, I just wanted to say like, uh, I just wanted to say like, I feel, I agree that, uh, with the whole, like we need to figure out a solution to the problem of like how to connect the people that are building and the people, the artists and everybody to, to like, the like I see what you're saying. Like, I think it's like I two sides of the same coin. Yeah, but I think they I understand what you're saying. Not you're, connected. You yeah, know? you're basically trying to say like you know artists need to focus on the art and the business people and marketing people need to help like get the word out for people. But I here's the thing about that, and I I agree. But you know if everybody could do it, um, you know if it was easy, then everybody could do it, right? And everybody could come up here like Patrick and and sell art, and life would be this eternal. Uh, utopia, you know, at the end of the day, Patrick's out here doing in real life meetups. He's actively on Twitter. He's, he's holding panel discussions. Like he's teaching people how to do things. Like he's hustling like that. This is no joke. Oh. His job is. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I was just, I was, I was saying like, hold on one sec. So um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important that, you know, we celebrate the people who are crushing it and then we learn from the process Patrick is building. Um, I think it's really, really important to, uh, to learn from Patrick and what is, what he's doing and almost like have a masterclass with Patrick where he's there learning, like basically teaching artists how to do this because no one's going to step up and say, Hey, you know what? Here's, here's a million views for free. You know what I mean? Like no one's just going to be like, here you go. Here's everything for free. You know, like, you know, you've worked really, really hard, but, I'm just going to promote this artist out of nowhere and I have millions of followers. I'm just going to retweet it or message it out or, or market it somewhere else. And, you know, there's like been years that have gone into building social media profiles. And I'm sure Patrick knows too, that, you know, building your, your influence across social media, it's very much like the old days of art. You actually had to talk to rich benefactors and collectors in the space in order to, you know, network and make relationships and have those people tell other people your art is valuable because of X. 
And those people are the influencers, the movers, the shakers, the socialites. And I've seen it in real life at events where great artists are in there go and I've heard them say it and I'm not going to name names, but Oh man, I got to go hang out with this person because they literally control the purse strings of all, you know, these 100 other people that are collecting crypto art. And if I'm nice to them, they'll be nice to me and and refer me to these people. And it's just like, it's kind of like the same thing. You're building distribution, you're networking, you're making connections like me and Patrick connecting on th- last Thursday. Amazing connection, great event, great people. If the, I didn't show up to that, if I didn't go through the work, I live, you know, 10 miles away from that location. If I didn't drive up the coast from Manhattan Beach where I live to, you know, Venice, Venice Beach there, I never would have met Patrick. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. So it's you showing up is like 90% of the success and you coming on here and grinding and, and going in spaces, whether you like to or not, it's just part of the deal. You actually have to do that. Like, I mean, you don't have to do it. But, you know, you'll, if you show up more places, the more success you're going to have. So that's why Patrick's up here right now talking with me. He's trying to also, like, share his knowledge to everybody because he seems like a very giving, kind, generous person. And here he is up on stage giving, like, a little, you know, some tips, tricks, and also, like, his story, of like, what he's doing. And people are going to learn from this and go, hey, if Patrick did it that way, I'm going to try it this way, too. And even though I'm not going to grow as fast as him because he was in the right place at the right time. In some cases, just like I was just like, you know, Molly was just like bread was, we were all in the right place at the right time for certain things and learnings and, and expertise and growing and launching uh, artwork and being part of super rare early on versus being part of super rare. Now, like it holds different weight to it. So there's this whole technique around basically promoting yourself and also having your own art. And again, you either work for someone who promotes themselves or you promote yourself. Simple as that. Um, that's just how the world works. It's unfortunate. Like no one's going to do it for you for free. But, uh, you know, if I had a choice, I'd rather promote myself than work for somebody who's pro- like and help promote them and promote themselves. Because at the end of the day, the equity you build up by promoting yourself like Patrick does, like Molly does, like... These are the these are the tactics that work. And Mintify wouldn't be in the space right now if it wasn't worthwhile to them promote their product as well. Mintify being a great NFT trading platform, so check it out. Um, not a shill. They're not paying me to say that. I'm just saying it because I like it. Anyway, <laughs> just an FYI. I'm this. <laughs> I want to be transparent here. <laughs> so Patrick, if you were to give advice to someone that like the. Um, Eth Anadi uh, that came up here and and said, "Hey, you know what? We need. I need people to you know do this for me. Why I'm heads down doing that? I can see a partnership of like an artist and a developer working together. One one's a developer, but there's a third piece that's missing. If you're not the artist out there, like being your brand, your own brand ambassador, where which business?" tactic or or what piece is missing between a developer and an artist because the developer's heads down doing his thing the artist should be down heads down right collecting art and building his own art portfolio where's the where's the disconnect in the middle in your opinion sure no i think it's i think it's a it's an interesting thing to talk about um i i think i think the disconnect would be authenticity and i think the challenge is 
is that our community, our success, our, it's, it's all built on relationships here. And there's no, you can't replace time spent when building relationships. You can, you can do things more efficiently, right? I mean, you can talk to multiple people instead of the same person. You can like have better quality time with people. You can have better engagements with people. There's a lot of things you can do to like do it better, but there's no replacement for time spent building relationships. And you absolutely can't in an authentic real way outsource that to somebody else. Right. I can't go hire someone to run Patrick Amadon Twitter. You know, I could. You could I was I gonna say you somebody, probably could, I, could have, <laughs> I I very easily could, but then like, am I actually talking to people? Am I talking to Jake? Am I talking to Molly? Am I talking to none? No, like I'm not actually building that relationship. So I wouldn't it wouldn't be authentic. And I think I, I can't imagine a scenario where that just doesn't come back on you at some point down the road. Um, if you want to do this, the thing is you have to achieve some, I feel like a critical velocity to kind of escape the atmosphere. And I feel like the only way to do that is spend a lot of time on this to get that concentrated level of engagement, conversation, community, friends. I mean, look, when I came into space 2021, um, I had a, I had a big following from, you know, making glitch art for the past decade or so, but nobody cared that I was an NFTs. Like nobody cared about what I was saying here. So I basically had to start all over. But that was the thing. I spent three months, probably eight, 10, 12 hours a day, shoot me, uh, but really <laughs> eight, 10, 12 hours a day on Twitter, just meeting artists, getting to know who was doing what, getting to know people, like building relationships, making friends. And then remarkably it worked, but there's like nothing remarkable about it. It was literally just time spent building relationships and making friends. And I, I like meeting people and uh, it's not it's not painful for me to do. It just takes a lot of time. There's just no replacement for time spent building relationships. And that's really in a decentralized ecosystem like we have here. That's what it all comes down to. So either you can or you can't do that. I just don't think if you're one foot in, this space, I feel like you are just completely reliant on luck. You're relying on one thing working out. Um, if you want to make sure it works, I just feel like there's no, there's no, there's no replacement for actually just spending the time and getting to know people and don't get to know collectors. Like we don't like the last thing we need is more pandering. Um, right. Just, just get to know your fellow artists besides like as an artist, like who do I want to talk? I want to talk to artists. So I, I want to make friends with artists and that's the foundation of everything. It's just your friendships with your peers. Um, but no, like, no, I don't think you can, I don't think you can, I don't think you can outsource that authentically. I think, I think you can have a friends help you execute things. Sure. Like if you need help on a smart contract, find a dev. If you need help doing something you can't do with art, ask a friend. But again, like, no, I think, I think, I think if you want to make this work, you just need to spend at least half of your time and probably more at the beginning, uh, getting to know people and making friends. I mean, the art doesn't really matter a whole lot. I mean, most people here, um, collecting art are new to art collecting. 
Like nobody really knows what's good. Nobody like, and we don't even know what's good. I mean, that's, that's going to be adjudicated by people 20 years from now. Like they're going to look back and say, okay, what was actually good in this period? Like we have no idea right now. I mean, all the best we can do is just do the best art that we can and try to be as topical and have narratives that will be durable and just, you know, do our best to make good art. But no, like, are you going to succeed because you have good art? Absolutely not. Like you're going to succeed because you have built up a strong network of friends and people that are supportive of you. Um, so that's really what you need to spend your time doing. And then, you know, let the quality of your art, you know, be a multiplier on that. It's not, it's not, it's not a separate thing. Yep. I couldn't agree more on that, my man. Absolutely. hundred percent accurate. Have you noticed people less welcoming to artists in the space, like, um, like gatekeeperish type people that are like, Hey, pay me to do this. Or is it more of just open? Hey, come join, come join me. And you know, we'll, you know, blow you up in a way. I don't know how to explain that any better than what I just said. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've been, I feel like I've been, I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't, I haven't run into a lot of the, scammy like kind of bad behavior that I you feel like I've seen a lot of people post about for the most part it's just been um people just been genuinely supportive I mean you definitely get your fair share of scams I mean if you don't have filters set up on your dms yet uh you definitely need to get your filters set up uh <laughs> you know I mean if, uh, I think I got two messages today about quote collabs which you know <laughs> collaborate and compromising your contract or your address um so but i mean if you can if you can again if you have friends you can talk you have people to talk to about this you can you can be safer in this space i mean there's obviously like basic security stuff too that everybody should know but again like so early there's just not a whole lot of good centralized resources for learning how to do all of this um so again things like the things like uh you know the IRL events in Venice, it's really nice to have a community that you can go to and say, Hey, what do you think about this? You can share best practices. You can share security stuff. You can have people just help build a community. That's really kind of the, the, how all of this works. Yep. I couldn't agree more, my man. It's uh, absolutely accurate. So uh, with that said, I will, if anybody has any questions, Molly, bread, none three X 32 X by 32 X. Anybody have any questions? Anybody? There we go. Go ahead. 32 X by 32 X. Let's go. Uh, hello everyone. Hello, Patrick. Um, I'm afraid that me myself, I know the answer already, but I might ask, um, are you avoiding NFT Paris, Patrick? I like, I've been hearing that you're traveling to Hong Kong. Congratulations. And uh, previously, I guess two months ago, I've been hearing you in a Twitter space saying that you don't like that much the NFT events because like people coming there, they show off uh, money and how they are wearing and on. So this, is that the point that you're avoiding to attend NFT Paris? Uh, I love, so I, I wish I could attend NFT Paris. Uh, I have to go to Hong Kong to shoot um, something for a piece that I'm doing at the same time. Um, and I heard NFT Paris is going to be great for art. So that's very positive. My criticism of most of the NFT events has to do with the, 
NFT side of the event, not necessarily art side. I, I don't really care to hear people talk about all of the projects and how they're going to monetize the space, which I, if anyone who's been to NFT NYC knows to never really go to the main event. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I've, been, it's I've really, been there, dude. I've been there. It's and I've really rough. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Am I, am Thousands I looking, of speakers? <laughs> am I looking forward to, you know, art panels and art talks around these conferences? Definitely. Am I looking forward to like NFC Lisbon and talking about art with at the con? Yeah, definitely. I would love to talk art at NFT Paris. It looks like, it looks like a great event. I wish I could go. Um, my, my criticisms of the events mostly around, uh, NFT, uh, call them NFT advisors on LinkedIn talking exhaustively about how they're going to monetize the space, which I have, really no tolerance for anymore who else is going to build your reach for you patrick i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah i i get it and uh it makes a lot of sense a lot of a lot of self-proclaimed you know uh nft and web3 experts in the space for sure i've definitely seen a lot of that so i i get what you're saying um is there is there an event that you just won't miss by any means. Like, uh, if, if it's an NFT NYC, NFT Paris, is there one event that you're like, I am going to this no matter what? Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be NFT NYC. Um, am I, am I going to speak at NFT NYC this year? No, I didn't bother to even apply. Um, I won't, but that's the one event so far that draws the most people from around the world to all get together. You know, that's, you know, that's where I, you know, I'll see, I'll see Jake there. I saw Jake there last time, you know, I, you know, like there's art friends from around the world. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the main, so far it's kind of the main, the main event for everybody to get together. Um, you know, do we need NFT NYC? Not at all, but for whatever reason, they just seem like they're helpful scheduling this stuff so we can all get together at the same time. Art Basel was great. Um, I expected you would actually say Art Basel. I had a feeling you were going to yeah. like, Art Basel is the only place I'll go for sure. <laughs> so this year, Art Basel was, uh, Art Basel was uh, better than NFT NYC, but NFT NYC just has the has the most friends from around the world getting together to catch up um does it have does it have anything to do with nft nyc nothing other than literally the scheduling and the fact that new york seems to be easy for people to get to um do i so i'm open to it but uh i'll definitely go into our basel uh nft nyc i think those would be the main the main events but again it's just i could care less about whatever the conferences do um i just whatever the excuse is to get everyone together to catch up and, you know, see each other is, is where I want to go. Yeah. I love that you said that in, in the business world also, um, we do, we do the same thing. Um, I don't mean to bring up the business world, but it's just what I've lived in the last 20 years is that we actually, uh, you know, we would, we would go to events and a lot of the, the amateur people that would go to the events would actually go to the events, right. And listen to people speaking and, and get, you know, basically walking through the trade shows and things like that. And then there were people like me who were like, look, I've been to this event before. I know exactly what to do. And I just do back to back meetings because that's the only place you're going to get everybody all in one spot. Instead of like seeing 15 different people in 15 different locations, 
you can see them all at once at that one or two events a year and you can just make all your deals or whatever you're doing there. You don't have to actually worry about like traveling or anything extra for that kind of stuff. So I think it's really critical for people to understand that like this, this uh, people showing up to like a big event isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing and it actually helps you, you know, get your name out there a little bit more. And it also, I mean, everybody's all in one place at one time. And it seems like NFT NYC is the place, even though NFT LA is coming up at the end of March, I'm assuming you're not going to be at NFT LA. What are your thoughts on NFT LA, Patrick? Have you been? Uh, so NFT LA, uh, I will not be attending. Um, <laughs> but I am very excited for people to come to LA. Um, and I know that we uh, already have a bunch of events that we're uh, planning um you know with the, with the different la groups i mean we have a we have super chief we have vellum uh you know we have the the new uh santa monica art museum uh, and then nft tuesdays so we have a we have a really we have a really special community here in los angeles um the all of the main all of the main communities all talk regularly with each other and we're all very collaborative when it comes to scheduling and planning things together so i think it's part of the reason why the la nft um digital art community is 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 uh so strong um it's just uh there's a lot of collaboration there aren't a lot of egos and everyone just seems to really try to work together to you know make sure that we're not doing so many overlapping events and that everybody can mostly get to everything so yeah excited about ftla am i excited about some apparently an australian company just trying to like come and host an event in la no i could that that sounds terrible to me (laughs) i like it yeah i think uh nftla um the i didn't go to the event last year the main event i just went and like hung out with a bunch of people that were in la at the time kind of like again a central location plus you know i live here so it was actually pretty easy to like you know, connect with people that have flown in. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. And you know, it's funny that you said NFT LA is not that big of a deal to you because it's not, I mean, you live here, so I'm sure it's going to be fun for a lot of people who don't live here. Um, and they don't really have a, you know, you have a lot of other things to do right now. So that's pretty cool. You already, you know, you're, you're going to Hong Kong. You're and if you were going to go to the, to anywhere, probably Paris, um, somewhere like really, really cool. And then the NFT NYC, when is NFT NYC this year? Is it May? Does anybody know? Is it May? April. April. Okay. Uh, so think- literally right after NFT LA, we have NFT NYC. Do you think there might be too many NFT events? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, everyone has different schedules and different, different, you know, different constraints. So, you know, whatever, whatever works, whatever works for everybody. Um, you know, I think people go to the main ones and I think people, I don't think they necessarily come at the expense of the smaller ones too. I think, you know, some, I, I kind of want to fly out and go catch a few people eat Denver here at the end of, and end of this month, but we'll see. Right. Same here. I have some friends in Denver, bread being one of them up here as a speaker, check out ETH Denver, but it's, it's I heard it's very developer heavy, so it's not as much art going around there. Right, Brad? 
I mean, there's definitely art. It is more focused on developer type stuff and what's being used to create different kinds of art and like examples of that type stuff. But it's definitely less art and NFT project focused as NFT NYC or Basil was. You know, it's it's more kind of like check out all this dope new stuff people are doing in the industry and how you kind of kind of get like um, a sneak peek on what might be rolling out this year from a development standpoint. Right. And if you're an artist, you're looking to collab with like a larger company and uh, exactly. You could, you will, could, yeah, you could do it that exactly. Way. Find out what kind of tech that you could use to help maybe push your art or help make new art or yeah, things like that. It's a great place for yeah, artists to meet developers because a lot of the developers in this industry are terrible artists and I can't really speak for any of the artists as far as their development skills, but you know, uh, the, you know, there's usually a nice match made in heaven there that people can find. Pretty cool. Well, I mean, now that there's smart contracts out that, you know, don't really need developers and people can start creating open editions and, you know, control over their own art with their own smart contract. I think that's, I think that's going to change a little bit, but I mean, hanging out with friends and stuff that doesn't change. So well, I, it's, it's also what you can, you do after the arts made and like, I mean, so yeah, any artist can go ahead and launch open editions on manifold, use Bueno for NFT collections and seven twenty ones. A lot of, a lot of great tools have been built the, this past year. But now that you have a community with all of these holders, you know, how are you going to token gate content? How are you going to distribute some of that content? Are you going to build out a full immersive website? Are you going to launch into the metaverse? And do you need voxel models then? You know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens after the collection sells out that um, developers can definitely help with. Yep. I agree with that statement. What are your thoughts, Patrick, on ETH Dumber? Uh, well, I know there's there's some there's some there's some art friends out there. Um, and uh, I think like what Brett's saying, I, I feel like with the, at the risk of launching off into a whole separate conversation, <laughs> but um, smart contracts, you know, I think, I think we talked about chains earlier. Uh, chains are part of the medium that make up, that make up the art. And uh, you know, I think we're seeing the beginning. Uh, you know, we, we see, I know I've, talk a lot about them, but you know, burn mechanisms, we're seeing, we're seeing people use contracts as a part of the art. Um, and I think it's an interesting thing to explore. I mean, if, if we're doing digital art and smart contracts are a part of the art, I think exploration of kind of different, interesting things that you could do with it, I think is very relevant. And I think the more accessible and kind of the more we learn about the space, I just kind of, I kind of see smart contracts and kind of the development side playing more of a role in the art side uh, as well. So yeah, getting to know, getting to know some developers, getting to know some people that can actually help you execute, collaborate with you and maybe inspire some new ideas for interesting things you can do with your art. Um, I think is, uh, I think would be really valuable. Um, you know, so I think, uh, I, I think that um, that's one direction that I think maybe we might see more art go in the direction of uh, moving forward here. Um, you know, cause again, too, it's smart contracts are one thing that is uniquely is uniquely web three for art that you can't, you can't do these things, in the contemporary world, you can put things that look like something on a wall in contemporary world and digital, but with some of the some some of the interesting that you do smart contracts, you can't replicate that in the physical world. And I think things that are uniquely digital um, and uniquely Web three, I think do have a lot of value and probably would be looked at pretty favorably 
uh, from a historical sp- uh, perspective down the road. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Well, if nobody else has any questions here, I want to thank Patrick for coming on here. I appreciate you know spending so much time with us, explaining your journey, explaining where you're at, and like what's next for you. It was pretty awesome, and I'm sure you are you are a very good influence to the space. And I'm glad um, you're not one of the gatekeepers. You're definitely one of the people who are helping other people in the space on a regular basis by hosting events, by having like in real life um, panels and like teaching people how to do things. So mad respect to you there. Uh, Thanks for coming on the space today. It means a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, if you guys aren't following Patrick, give him a follow. Like this guy's really in real life. He's cool. And obviously on Twitter, he's cool and uh, an amazing artist. If you check out his art, you'll understand why he's on super rare. You'll understand why, he has the following he has is he's a he's a major player in the space and uh and a great addition obviously an amazing addition to the space one of the pioneers of this space so i appreciate you coming on the space my man thanks for your time and that's our show for the day patrick any last words my friend lucas i just want to say thank you so much and that's, that's incredibly kind of you i've really appreciated you inviting me it's been it's been a pleasure talking with you and i just want to say to you know, I'm just looking down who's in the room right now. Um, I just see, I just see a lot of friends and, uh, you know, um, I see you all here and it means a lot that you listened. Uh, so thank you all very much for coming. Um, appreciate you all. And thank you again, Lucas. Yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah. wish you all the best. Yeah. Thanks again, man. And I look forward to seeing you at, a, at another one of these events. I might, I don't know if you're going to be there this Thursday or you're, or, or you're on your way to Hong Kong already. But uh, I was going to swing by again on Thursday and say, what's up? So I will see you Thursday. Awesome, dude. I look forward yeah. to it. All right, everybody. All right. Bye, everybody. Um, this, is, uh, this is Wicked Smart. And uh, thanks again, Patrick, for being here. See you guys tomorrow. Thank you. A screaming comes a thousand miles. It might be yours. It might be mine.